Another week, no sex, no baby. How is this ever going to change? Well, at least I've largely moved into my new apartment now, and uh, hopefully once I'm settled in, I can focus on those things again. On this week's podcast, how TV and film have coincided with my worldviews, and an interview with an old friend I've reconnected with recently, talking about gender role stereotypes and misunderstandings of non-monogamy. It's my unconventional life, brother. I went to the woods because I wanted to live deliberately, to front only the essential facts of life, and see if I could not learn what it had to teach, and not when I came to die, discover that I had not lived. My name is Nigel McGuinness, and this is my unconventional life. It's a podcast, it's a journal, and in a way it's kind of a personal ad. But most of all, it's about navigating the treacherous waters of love, sex and relationships in 2016. Sponsored by, you guessed it, no one right now. Every week I detail my own journey and discuss my own untraditional views and aspirations in that world. Whatever the topic, whoever the guest, it all comes back to one question. How do we best find and express love in 2016? So I've been watching more of that Hulu show, Casual. It's funny sometimes, isn't it, how things talk to you, as though they came into your life for a reason. I mean, originally I chose to watch the show for no other reason than I'd heard of it briefly. Yet it seems to speak to a lot of where I am in my life right now. One of the main characters has started dating a girl who already has a boyfriend in an open relationship. And I'm not sure if it's the first time someone consensually non-monogamous has been represented in a TV show, but I would say it's certainly the first time in such a genuine, authentic manner. She's presented well without the usual cliché, knee-jerk stereotype of sex being meaningless and or swinging. Now, I haven't met anyone consensually non-monogamous who's quite so hot, So far at least, but to be fair, it is a TV show, she is an actress, and I've really only dipped my toe in the polyamorous waters so far. And to be honest, with my recent lack of libido, I'm far from desperate to get back into the pool. I mean, I do miss the affection, but the actual sticky sex part, I'm kind of not too interested I actually did just order some lab tests, however, to get my testosterone levels checked out, just to see whether that's what's going on. I think I talked about it last week, actually, how the the sex scenes in the show did nothing for me whatsoever. But then this week, there was a scene with an awkward first kiss, and I felt that, you know, that spark in my chest. Do you think maybe I'm just regenerating? Like maybe I'm going through puberty again? Ooh, immediate long-lasting erections. I promise I will not waste them this time around. Went to watch Bridget Jones's baby this week. Had some funny moments, but fuck, they all look so old. And she was supposed to be 43, only a few years older than me. Just kind of slapped me in the face that that's where I am in my life. With my recent weight loss, I've been feeling pretty old anyway. 
but this really hit me. And then when she had the kid in the movie, I just sat there and I had this strong realization or epiphany that I was never going to have kids. It hit me like with everything else in my life, like wrestling for WWE or getting LA fights made. For whatever reason, I never got to experience it. As far as being a parent goes, it was because I was always too cautious and waiting for the perfect situation that, that may never come. I mean, was Rachel really a no? The girl in Ventura hasn't replied to any texts all week. And uh, Supermum still seems no closer. I mean, as though we've been at this stage for the last year. And things just aren't going to move forward. Time is passing on. Weeks become months. It's been nearly six months now of doing this podcast. And yet there are still close friends of mine who are just hearing about it now. I don't know. This week's interview is with Diane Kawasaki. It was taped about a week ago, and in the time since, she has actually more seriously reiterated her interest in being a parenting partner with me. I hadn't really contemplated it before, and I'll give it some thought, but uh, like I said, I am very risk-averse and uh, don't feel comfortable moving forward if I'm uncertain. But maybe that'll be the reason I never have kids. I don't know. Diane and I also had a bit of a heated conversation when she took the usual polyamory is bullshit, it's just about sex, and when you find the right person, you'll fall in love and want to be with them for the rest of your life, stance. It always gets me so irritated because it's just such an offhanded, uneducated comment. I mean, It totally invalidates my feelings and implies that I'm only operating out of fear. I mean, maybe I need to have this conversation on here. I know I do, but finding someone who will openly debate me on the subject isn't easy. I find that people that hold that view must have deep misgivings about it because they are almost totally unwilling to stand behind it and afraid of being judged by others about it. Most often, people just don't seem to understand the concept of non-monogamy and they pass judgment without knowing anything about it. It's just so frustrating. People really don't understand what I'm trying to do here. People think it's just about sex or about being fearful, but it's not. It's about being true to your own nature. And you can't do that if you don't truly know who you are. Anyway, the interview was interesting. We talk about dating nightmares, societal gender expectations, and she is a wonderful, lovely person. Diane Kawasaki. So I am here with one of my favourite people in the world, Miss Diane Kawasaki. How are you anyway, my dear? I'm good. It's nice to have your company. Oh, nice to be here. So we've known each other for about four or five years now, is that right? I honestly don't know. Been a while for sure, on and off, but um, as it stands now, how familiar are you with my worldviews in terms of dating and parenting? It's very unconventional. (laughs) Hence the name of the podcast. But so basically, you know my theories, right? My theories are that a parenting relationship and a romantic relationship oftentimes don't go too well together. 
Not to say they can't, not to say you can have a very happy parenting, romantic relationship together, but generally speaking, for me, and I think in a lot of situations, it's probably better if you can separate the two. And uh, when it comes to dating, for me, I just think that relationships should be allowed to evolve organically and don't necessarily have to be either, you know, a full-on, deep, committed, monogamous relationship or casual meaningless sex and that there has to be something valuable and meaningful in between the two how do you sort of stand on both those sort of viewpoints okay let's do one thing at a time all right so are we talking about parenting or about dating you choose first well with parenting i spent the last year doing a fellowship with children with special health care needs so i've worked with a lot of parents hmm. And from my experience, I feel like parents that are just genuinely great parents are not necessarily parents that are like a typical nuclear family. There's no typical family dynamic that's going to be better than the other. I think it really comes down to people that genuinely care about the best outcome for their children aside from what they want. I think that's kind of the general thing of what makes a good parent, in my opinion. Someone who puts the needs of the kid ahead of their own. Yes. Hmm. And so, to you, it doesn't really matter whether it's a traditional romantic relationship or more of a co-parenting platonic relationship. Do you think that really makes no difference as long as you, you know, whoever you're having a kid with, both of you are on the same page and you put the kid's needs first? That's what I believe. I think that intention is really important. Like, what is the intention of bringing a child into this world or being a parent, even if you adopt or if you foster a child, what is the intent? Is it to fulfill your own needs of maybe wanting to feel useful? Or is it because you genuinely want to love somebody else in this world? Mm. They're two different kind of uh, schools of thought. I mean, a lot of people, certainly our parents' generation, I don't know if they put that much thought to it. It was just what they, they did, right? They totally didn't. I think, I'm pretty sure I was an accident. <laughs> because when I do the timeline... Some stuff does not make sense. And my parents, they did like a court wedding or not even a wedding, but just papers. And my dad always likes to say, oh, yeah, you know, I just don't like parties, but come on. <laughs> well, talk a bit about your parents. Do they have a great strong influence on, on how you see parenting if you were going to be a parent? I actually never wanted to be a parent until maybe about a month ago. Hmm. What changed? Because I met my normal family in Texas, and I got to see my cousin, who's basically my sister. I'm an only child, so I never had siblings, so I don't have a lot of people to compare to. Not very uh, close with my family in Hawaii, but when I went to Texas, my cousin has two wonderful children. I have a photo of them right there, and they're just the most amazing kids. They're 12 and 15. They're not really kids anymore, but they're just so sweet, and to see my cousin who's like my sister be such a great mom I think that that made me think of it differently because mm. I didn't have the best experience with my own family so I always had this weird fear that I wouldn't be a good parent because of that generational kind of tie right you you feel like <laughs> I don't want to put words in your mouth but you know obviously your parents weren't bad parents but was there anything they did that made you think uh am I going to repeat that and I don't want to uh, my experience was heavily rooted in culture like in Korean culture 
there is this kind of need to really like break somebody down because you want to keep those expectations low <laughs> so you don't get disappointed. Uh-huh. I think that's a kind of a defense mechanism. Right. And I'm not, I can't speak for all Korean families, but I know from my own, as well as like friends I've talked to, it really is about like making sure that you do not feel like, so being humble is very important. Yeah. Like you just have to think like the lowest of yourself and it's hard to take compliments and all of these random things. And so even when I was talking with my cousin, she said that sometimes she does catch herself like feeling like some familiar things from her childhood that she doesn't want to repeat with her children. Ah, along those sort of lines. Right. But I think if you're cognizant and you pick up on like little cues of something that feels familiar and maybe is just not feeling good, you don't have to, you can kind of break those cycles. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, I've certainly noticed in the years that I've known you, you have consciously tried to change your mindset and be more positive and proactive. And I think that's one of the wonderful assets about you. So obviously, if you were going to have a kid, have you thought about how you would do it? Because, you know, you did mention to me the possibility of, of having a kid with me in a, in a parenting partnership, right? Yeah, I mean, it's something that I haven't really thought of really in depth because it's all pretty new. Yeah. This also ties back into dating. When I look at partners I've chosen, I've always, because I didn't want to do the whole parenting before, like thing before, I didn't want to get excited about that. I always chose partners that would be horrible fathers. So in my mind, I knew, okay, there's no way I'm going to procreate with this person because this person should not have any more like of that person. There should be no multiples of this human being. Wow. So, but you still wanted to date them? Well, they were very temporary. It's like it's like Tupperware that you're okay through away. <laughs> um, or like I have like this theory that I have this like baby bird theory. Like the way I looked at men before was like, oh, you need so much help. Like you're just so helpless and you have nothing going for yourself. I'll like take care of you. And as soon as they take care, I can take care of them. They fly away. They're uh, off to their next uh, mistake. So Right. So you get a sense that you you need to feel needed. That's a big part of your psyche, is it? It's not necessarily my psyche, but it's just, I think that was my upbringing. My mom would... Uh, she's very traditional and she said you know no matter what all of this equality stuff it doesn't exist like women have to be the person that takes care of the cooking the cleaning all of this stuff and wow so she never lets my dad do the dishes she doesn't let him cook like it really bothers her but she's like she works like seven days a week wow and she still feels like she needs to take on that responsibility yeah yeah well, it's interesting, isn't it? The influences that we get from our parents, you know. But it, it, when you mentioned it to me, I, I did get the sense that it was a new idea and a new concept to you. And certainly it's something I've t- thought about for a long time. And the biggest obstacle to me moving forward doing it is not knowing all the details and not being sure that whoever I'm going to have a kid with is 100% sure how this is going to work, how we're going to do it, who has custody, who's going to pay for everything, what happens if one of us gets a job, what happens if one of us falls in love with somebody else, blah, 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 all those sort of things. And it's tough to get to that stage with somebody and have all your answers kind of match enough to go, yep, this is this is okay. And perhaps arguably traditional relationships 
maybe should be held to the same accountability, perhaps. You could certainly make an argument that people get into relationships traditionally and have kids without putting too much thought into it, right? Well, I think a lot of people get into relationships for their own kind of ego things. When you look at relationships, especially the intention of dating even, like online dating, okay, who's going to make me feel better about myself? Who's going to make me feel like I have like these voids taken care of? I think that's kind of like an immature perception of what a relationship is supposed to be. But in reality, I think it's like when you're a whole person, you meet another whole person that had, you know, figured out their things and all of that stuff. And then you evolve as an individual first. And then you meet somebody that's pretty cool. You know, hopefully you like them, Mm. are attracted to them, all of those things. But I think that's what makes a really good relationship. I mean, my cousin and her husband, I mean, I was worried about her, like, because she didn't even tell me she was getting married. Uh, She told me about two weeks before her wedding hey, I'm going to get married, do you want to come? I hadn't even met him. And when I did meet him, I just thought, wow, he is like, he was the missing piece in our family. He's just the most incredible guy. Right. Very like, you know, just such a solid person and treats my cousin so well. And I don't have siblings, but he's like my brother. Like he really looks after me. He gets on me about like all of the guys that I've dated because I'll tell him these horror stories. And he's like, Diane, like you, I just, I, I just like leave him just without any words to say. And he's a very eloquent man. He used to be a drill sergeant, mm. very tough guy. But he said that, uh, you know, I'm a little too much for him. <laughs> yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Do you think then perhaps that some people are just more suited to long-term monogamous relationships? Or, no. Or, you know? I think it comes down to being with the right person. I don't think there is like a thing of like, oh, I'm a monogamous person or I'm, you know, it's like the binary thing of like gender and all of mm. that stuff, right? It's It comes down to what's the circumstance, like how does that fit into my life versus, oh, I'm this certain way. I mean, it's just like by people. Like sometimes you'll meet a man or a woman and something about that person just sparks an interest that maybe you didn't know. So does that make you gay? Does that make you bi? Does that make you anything? Why do we have to label everything? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, as human beings, we do like to label things. I think it helps us to compartmentalize the world, perhaps. And I think arguably it comes from our evolutionary stages where we had to identify with our own sort of tribe because other tribes would try to kill us, perhaps. I I don't really know, but we certainly see it throughout history in human beings that we do like to label things and we're largely divisive, even though we are capable of being very inclusive. But it it is interesting, isn't it, that, that sort of notion. That being the case, in terms of dating, you certainly wouldn't rule out being in a committed monogamous relationship for the rest of your life. If you found the right person? If it's with the right person. I've always had commitment issues. How so? Because, I mean, I dated the wrong people my whole life. You think you chose to date them? Yes, of course. You don't just... Well, when you first meet somebody, like Chris Rock talks about, like, you meet that person's representative. You don't meet that person. (laughs) You meet the person that they want you to believe they are. Yeah. And then, like, so I give it, like, a good six months. Right. Six months is the point where all the ugly stuff comes out. And now it's too late because now you've gotten quite fond of this person. Uh, so if you've only known each, like each other for six months or less, it's a very difficult thing to gauge. Is this person really cool? Or are you like blinded by, 
you know, some other stuff like the attraction or whatnot. Yeah, oxytocin. Yeah. But all of that aside, I mean, it's hard to say. I think it's just uh, it's just like the time and the place. Hmm. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I mean, polyamory, in terms of what I've gathered from meeting people who consider themselves polyamorous, and I certainly don't. I don't know really... I don't like placing labels on things. I know a lot of people in the in the world do. But for me, I just feel, as I said, that uh, I think relationships should just develop organically. Can I say I'll never want to be in a committed monogamous relationship? No. But can I say that I think I can have a deep, meaningful, non-exclusive relationship? Absolutely. And I do. You know, I've, I've had a number of non-exclusive relationships that were very deep and meaningful, you know. And they just, it happens as it generally happens. But for me, because I don't date very easily, you know, it's not like there's a list, a line of women outside my door every morning, you know, frantically masturbating, just <laughs> the potential opportunity to sleep with me. That's a problem. That's like a TRO. What's that mean? A temporary restraining order. <laughs> like, do you want like women to be outside your door, like touching themselves and just waiting for you? Good story. I feel like, do you? No, well, it depends what they look like. Well, oh, wow. So we're going to get real uh, superficial here. <laughs> it's like, it, you sound like all of my friends. How is that superficial? It's really not. We all, it's all based on preference. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's people you want to see masturbating and people you don't want to see masturbating. There are people and it's that largely you do, based so... on what they look like, you know? Okay. Is it? I feel I like I don't so. want to see anybody masturbating. Like, I just don't. <laughs> nobody. There's nobody, nobody on this earth you want to see masturbating. No, I'm a very traditional person in that front. Like, I just want, like, the only person would be just my partner. I mean, even that, I'd be like, you know, that's something you do by yourself. Really? Yeah. Wow, we've stumbled upon something here. So no, Have we? no mutual masturbation then, no? I don't know. I mean, I just, that's not something that I'm so excited about. Hmm, I love it. I'm a, I'm a huge fan you know, if I ever get to that stage with somebody. But yeah, for me, I think that's that's marvellous. That's like looking over the menu before you eat. Well, I have a friend that he likes to masturbate to himself in the mirror. <laughs> Not for me, that. Not for me. But listen, if it doesn't hurt anybody and it, or whatever well, flicks That's what I mean. Switch. Like, how do you know unless you've tried that? So I don't know. I've, I've never, you know... Had gay sex, never made out. I wasn't with even a guy. talking about gay sex. Right, but um, <laughs> you know, on your notion of if you haven't tried it, how do you know whether you like it? I, I think there are certain things in life you can say, no, I'm okay. It doesn't really appeal to me. No, no. I mean, I I feel the same way about women. I've like made out with women, but mm. that's as far as it goes. Yeah. How yeah, fun? I would never want a relationship with a woman. Right, but you never want to do more than making out. No, no interest whatsoever. Hmm. But I think I get too nervous. About what? I just didn't know what to do. Yeah. And I feel like I don't want to find out. <laughs> well, if it's not- Like, there's a lot of things I want to learn. Like, I want to learn more Spanish. <laughs> I'll go into that. But, you know, as far as, like, finding out what it's like to be with a woman sexually, I'm actually okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess I kind of feel the same way about being with a guy. I'm not saying that it'll never happen in this lifetime. I don't know. I've not met every woman in mm. this world, but so far I'm like, no. Nah. Yeah, never. Okay, right. I'll pass. Never inspired you. Yeah. 
Yeah, Thank just you. really not motivated. Yeah, they do say women are, are way more sexually plastic, though, than men are. What does that mean? So basically, your sexuality is less hardwired than men's are. For whatever reason, the way our brains develop um, during childhood, uh, women are far more flexible in their sexuality in adulthood than men are. For example, there's a number of women who are bisexual or consider themselves lesbians that for a big portion of their life never had any desire to be with someone of the same sex. And it just happened they met the right person. But with guys, generally speaking, if they ever do go in that direction, if they're honest, it was always there. There was always the thought of it from a younger age. And it's one of the reasons why most of the sort of strange idiosyncratic fetishes that exist out there generally are with guys because when they're in their pubescent stage, they sort of develop these fetishes for whatever reason, you know, maybe they were abused or maybe they were sexually aroused when they saw someone wearing stockings or whatever it happens to be. But those things become hardwired in, in a guy's head. And so it's very difficult for them to sort of get back to a what would be considered a societally acceptable range of sexual desires. And it's one of the reasons why the majority of pedophiles Pedophiles, you know, are pretty much stuck the way they are. Now, they don't have to act on it, of course, but when they get to that stage, if they are, and the majority of pedophiles are abused in their childhood, so when it happens to them and they develop that way, their brain develops that way, it's extremely difficult for them for the rest of their life to ever not feel that way anymore, you know? And this is why we don't see it quite so often in, in females. I think, I don't know. I'm not an expert on it by any any shot, but from talking to people and, and hearing and reading books about it, that's at least my summation of the whole thing. It's a good uh, summary. Uh, I took a criminal justice class and my professor specialized in sex offenders, mm-hmm. specifically with uh, pedophilia. Ah. And that does stem from childhood. A lot of uh, case scenarios involve child abuse early, you know, in early stages. But as far as like women, maybe women just hide it better because I think women are a lot less forthcoming about how they feel about things, especially in like a sexual capacity. So you think that A, they can control their desires better or do you think B, their desires just fall closer to uh, uh, the norm? Well, I don't think it's about desire so much as like conforming to a societal standard of what a woman is supposed to be like. It's gotten a lot better over the years, but I feel like if you are more expressive, then you're, you know, basically you're slut-shamed or whatever they want to call it now. I don't like a lot of political correctness, all of that stuff, but I think that women tend to want to have a reputation that people don't talk about them. Because men don't have that problem as much. Yeah, yeah, this is certainly true for sure. There, are, In terms of sexuality, women are, are way more constrained within society than men are, absolutely. And there are, you know, plenty of expectations for men still in society in terms of... Like what? Like paying for the first date, if not every date, in fact. Um, That's not true. It's 100% it true. It is not true. There are exceptions to the rule. There are plenty of girls that will say... Thank you for offering, but no, I'd love to pay half of it. But the majority of girls, certainly in Los Angeles, 
just expect the guy to pay every time. And I don't mind. I mean, I like paying for my friends, you know, even outside of dates. You know, it's not a huge deal for me. But um, there are certainly a lot of expectations in terms of crying, in terms of being in touch with your feminine side. There are things that guys, you know, are certainly judged for, whether it's by other guys or even girls, you know. But who cares? Well, why is that any different for guys than it is for girls? And why can't you just say, well, who cares what society says about women? The point is we do. We do care. We want people that are around us to respect us, to not talk shit about us. So it's the same whether it's a guy or a girl I think we all have expectations and it all comes back to really again this notion of guys should act one way and girls should act a different way and I think we need to loosen up on that to a certain extent I I certainly try to it's different because for women and the reputation uh, for example if somebody's like looked at as a promiscuous person that can be kind of something that holds a person against them like for example okay say you were talking about like crying I mean, no one's going to be like, oh, don't go out with that guy because he cried one time. Like, yes, no one's going to say, no, that. What kind of heartless person says a that? A lot of people, well, whether they say it, they apps, I guarantee you that a girl would go, uh, nah, not no, for they me. wouldn't. I, I think that's so you. nice. I guarantee you. And, and it depends on what the situation is. I mean, what he's crying about. But there are things that girls would cry about and everyone goes, oh, that's okay, she's a girl. But if a guy cried about the same thing, then he would be judged. It's exactly the same way, you know. There's things that we judge guys for and things that we judge girls for. And it's just because a generation ago it was far more... Well, maybe it wasn't. Maybe a generation ago you just had the same sort of expectations for guys as well you know you were less able to be in touch with your feminine side a generation ago i don't know you know i just know that everybody is fighting a hard battle you know and to say that because i'm this because i'm a girl or because i'm a minority or because i'm this makes me in a more difficult situation i think is somewhat disingenuous somewhat there are exceptions to that i I would guarantee it um, there are some people, there are some minorities, there are some people that do have a tougher lot in life than others. And I think as a, you know, heterosexual white male, I'm pretty well off. I'm just saying there are things that I am judged for that I need to operate differently because of it. I think you just have to care less. I just took a, a workshop um, by my friend. Uh, he wrote this book called Dare to be Bad. And there's uh, this one line that just like really stuck out. And he's just like, you have to just be okay with being bad. If people don't get you, fuck them. You know, you just have to be like, fuck it. And he like, in his coaching, he just tells you to just say fuck it to everything. Like, I mean, and I can relate to it now because, you know, a month ago, my whole life fell apart. Everything just like fell to shit. And when you get to that place, it's a beautiful, nice place of renewal because you look at things very differently. A lot of trivial things don't matter. Hmm. And you just start over and it's okay. And if people don't care, like all my friends in Hawaii think I'm crazy for like uprooting my life and just deciding to stay here. And I don't care because this is what makes me happy. And I'm finally at a place in my life where I don't care to make everyone else comfortable because I have to compromise something that makes me happy. If that makes me self-centered, then that's fine. No, no, not at all. I think it's an admirable quality for sure. But uh, look at my life. 
I can say essentially what I want on this podcast. You know, I don't really have to worry about my family judging me for it or disowning me, any of my friends disliking me. And, you know, that's arguably because the majority of the friends that I've made are very non-judgmental and my family exactly the same. But if I did have family that I loved dearly that would judge me for what I said, whether it was about sexuality or religion or politics or whatever it happened to be, it may be more difficult for me to just say fuck it because that would have major ramifications, right? Well, I have the complete opposite of you. Like, a lot of my friends, I've found out that they are very judgmental and like to, you know, tell me what to do, what not. My family, very traditional people hmm. and would not be happy at all to hear this at all. So, a uh, good thing they don't know how to use iTunes, um, <laughs> which is fantastic. They don't know what a podcast is. Right. And if anyone from my family is listening to this, oh well, I mean, I don't care. Yeah, well, I don't think you've said anything terrible anyway, right? Have you said anything that you think they would think was terrible? Quite a few things, but um, I don't care. All right, well, good. Like I said, that's that's an admirable trait and uh, well done. Well yeah. done, for sure. Where do you see um, yourself being in a year's time in terms of dating or in terms of being a parent? Is it... Either of these things sort of priorities in your life or? Well, that's really what I've prioritized right now. I was talking to my cousin and she basically said, Diane, you need to grow up, stop dating horrible people because it's a waste of time, mm. which is good advice I've been getting from everybody throughout the years. But right. you have to be in the right place to receive certain things. Sure. And now I've gotten to that point where I just, you know, I don't want to be constantly like taking care of people. Like I just want a reciprocal relationship um and i think once you decide that that's kind of when you start saying no to certain things right um i mean in terms of like the relationships you've been in the past that were bad i mean was it just that it was all one-sided and and they were taking and you were giving or i mean it was just dishonest how so because i i understand open relationships i think that's fine i think later on when things get a little bit stale but in the beginning, like, how do you have true intimacy with a person? I, I don't know. I think I have focus problems in general. Like, I get distracted very easily. Hmm. So I can't handle having one more than one person in my life. I tried. And it's a mess. Like, I just can't keep it together. How so? I mean, you're talking sexually, right? Oh, even dating. Like, I feel like I'm not that well, interested. you can have more than one friend in your life. Yeah, friends. Right. So at what point does it get crazy and you um, can't handle cause, it? Because, like, not that I get crazy, but, like, every time I do that, and it does work because when I have, like, maybe three people, then, yeah, the attention is, like, divided. I don't really care about each one of them, and it's just, like, whatever. But then as soon as you don't care about somebody, they get really crazy. Like, one guy I dated for a little while. We weren't even serious. And he used to talk about other women in front of me all the time, which really irritates me. Because hmm. I think that's disrespectful and it shows insecurity right away. And so he told me, and we were not even serious, he said, if you ever cheat on me, I will pretend like everything is okay. I'll come to your house while you're taking the shower. I'm going to put Thomas, who is my rabbit, into the microwave. I'm going to push start and I'm going to leave. Yeah, that's crazy. Was yeah. he serious, you think? I feel like that was so premeditated that... He actually probably thought about it. Wow. Well, you shouldn't have those people in your life either way, whether you're just a friend or not. That's kind of nuts. Kind of? 
<laughs> all right, very. If he was actually going to do yeah, that. Yeah, so having all of those experiences、uh, for a long time, I mean, that's... Sure, but then perhaps it was just, it wasn't whether it was an open relationship or a exclusive monogamous relationship. If you have a relationship with someone who's going to microwave your bunny, it's probably not a good relationship. That's true. I was telling my friend Kathy, I was like, can I just meet somebody that doesn't want to microwave my pets? <laughs> right. Well, there's plenty of them out there, I'm sure, no doubt. When I look back, I feel like not many. But why? I mean, it's funny. I, you, it's kind of a cliche, isn't it, to hear girls that always date the wrong ones, date the bad ones. Oh, I always like the bad ones. And you wonder why. Because you accept the love you think you deserve. So, you think that's what it is? It's, it's all, always insecurity. It's perception of what you deserve in life. Yeah? Yeah. Because people that are very confident, they have no trouble. They see themselves as valuable and they expect nothing less. See, I wonder because a lot of times, certainly when I look at guys that had a lot of luck when it came to girls, I, I don't think deep down they really did. I think there were a lot of the same insecurities that you would say a girl who always chose the wrong one had. But it depends what, again, going back to intention,、mm. some girls just want to feel pretty or they want the unattainable person that, you know, is a challenge. Right. I don't like challenges. I like things really easy. It's <laughs> like everything in my life is so difficult. Like, That one area of my life, I just want simple and stable、yeah. for a change. Right. And you never, never found anybody that you felt sort of fitted that mold, no? No, because I never entertained it. So you... I haven't dated in like two years. Right. For good reason. Which was what? I did this speed dating、uh, because <sighs> my friend, who actually just got engaged over the weekend,、uh-huh. she had been in a long term relationship for about 10 years. And she hadn't dated since high school. And I really wanted her to get out there and meet people.、Mm. So in Hawaii, they had this、uh, thing called Hawaii Speed Dating. I signed her up for it. And me and my friend Cheryl, we went with her. We're kind of like her wing girls. Yeah. But she was so nervous. And I was so nervous. And I had just come from work. And I was like, I had a glass of wine with her. And she got really nervous. She's like, I need liquid courage. I need liquid courage. I was like, okay. And then so we drank more wine, but I didn't eat anything <laughs> since like lunch. So I was so tired for, because I wake up at like four in the morning. Yeah. And then so I got there and, you know, we were just like sitting down. And I think by the fifth date, it was like 10 people.、Mm. I think I fell asleep during one of them because I was like, <laughs> I was so tired and so bored to death, you know? Oh, speed dating is a disaster. I mean, it's a terrible idea, isn't it? No, it's not. It's good practice. For what? To talk to people, to get out of your comfort zone and talk to strangers. But I mean, you, you're not going to find anything meaningful there. Well, you're going to find what garbage. I'm saying. I mean, go on plenty of dates with plenty of people. But if you're trying to condense, trying to get to know if you like someone in the space of what was it, 30 seconds, a minute? Seven minutes of hell. So you're allowed seven minutes with each person. That's a long time when it's horrible. Oh my God, I don't doubt it actually. That is a long time, especially if after the first minute or two you're like, nah, and not for drunk, me. And you're drunk, you know? <laughs> so that was two years ago and that sort of swore you off dating? Not that I actually went on a date because I was like so tipsy. By the time I left, I chose everybody because I couldn't remember anybody's <laughs> name. <laughs> so you just wanted to be nice. 
No, I just didn't care. And I was just like, and I was trying to set a good example for my friend. I was like, you just got to get yourself out there. Right. She chose nobody. She was uh, like, oh, everyone was a disaster. This one guy, he was like having, he carried a 40 around. What? A 40. What's that? Like a 40 ounce bottle of beer. <laughs> like, and he was like maybe 22 years old. <laughs> and it was so, and I was asking, I was like, so what do you, what are your hobbies? What do you like to do? It's like, I like to drink. I was like, okay, anything else? like nope that's about it wow i just turned i think he just turned 21 yikes winner winner chicken dinner but some girls would be happy about that they like to go really? to the clubs yeah oh well I, whatever it takes you know i think that's the bottom line really is that you know we all want to relate to other human beings we all want to connect in a certain way and because of our own little peccadillos our own sort of idiosyncrasies we connect with different people and it's just about finding people that you connect with i guess right what do you mean you guess that's a core value of a healthy relationship is what liking the person you can love a person but not like them how so you can respect a person you can love them but if you don't enjoy their company it's a miserable situation Mm, then why would you love them because you've invested your time into them that's why you love someone? Sometimes. Not all I the time. I don't think that's love. That sounds like obligation. That sounds like, all right, I've got this car, I've fixed this and I've fixed this and I put all this money into it and I don't like this car and it always breaks down and I'd really love to get a better car, but I've put so much work into this, I may as well keep it around. That's not love. That's marriage. <laughs> Uh, not always and and here i am defending marriage i listen i'm all for people loving each other and being positive influences in their each other's lives and in some situations that looks like disney that looks like the traditional monogamous marriage it certainly does but i think that's the exception rather than the norm just because we are such complex individuals that the chances of meeting someone, finding someone that matches you in that way and it working out for the rest of your life and you sort of changing in the same way, very unlikely. Can it happen? Absolutely. Are you going to be unhappy if you never have it? I should hope not. And that's all I'm saying. Is that crazy? I just don't care. If I, I rather be by myself have like two cute little dogs then be in an unhappy relationship. Right. So I think as soon as you release that fear of, oh, I'm going to end up alone, I think a lot of people settle too quickly. Yeah. They find someone that's kind of okay. Maybe they shower every day. Maybe they have a job. Maybe they have like some things going for them. Not everything, but the majority is just okay. They've stayed out of the prison system or maybe they are in prison. Who knows? Something worked about that person, but... There are certain red flags here and there, but let's like not look at those because I need to have a ring on my finger and I need to prove to everybody in my family that I'm not the person that doesn't get married. Yeah, there is a lot of that, isn't there? Certainly certainly for the woman to feel as though her worth is only, yeah, how close she can get to that traditional ideal. I mean, that happens all, like I'm 32 now. Every wedding I go to, like I try not to go, I try, I spend like a good six months trying to get out of a wedding. <laughs> yeah. I'll only go to a wedding if I'm in it. 
But then even then, people are like, so when is it your turn? I'm like, I'm not getting married. They're like, are you sure? You just haven't met the right person yet. I was like, that's none of your business. We're going to, this conversation's done. You know? Like, we're not talking about this. Right. But that's like people that are my age. If it's like a friend's parent, then I have to entertain it a little bit more and be like, oh, yeah, I just haven't found the right one. You're absolutely right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. But doesn't it not perhaps speak to the fact that if we could just enjoy sexual relationships in the same way we can enjoy platonic relationships in the sense that we didn't have have one platonic relationship that meant everything and that we judged ourselves completely on this one relationship we all know we've got plenty of friends that we don't want to spend 24 hours a day with you know we've got friends that we enjoy going out and having a coffee with but anything more than that? Nah, not for me. We've got friends that we can live with. Other friends that absolutely not. It would drive us nuts. And it's okay. And we don't sort of second guess that and go, when am I going to meet a friend who is everything for me? That's insane, right? Yeah, but when it comes to sexually, why do we have that notion that that's the ideal? Why aren't there people that we can enjoy in a less exclusive way? And then there are some people that just you would naturally go, yeah, I don't want to be with anybody else. And if they're not with anybody else, that's a great thing too. But why does it always have to be all or nothing? It doesn't. It depends on the person. Because not everyone has a conventional ideal of what a relationship should be. But I mean, I think that there is a certain kind of timing to it. Because in the beginning, when you're getting to know somebody it's a little bit like distracting to just be like with some other person. Then you don't get to fully get to know that person as a individual. You get Why? to know. Hey, take sex out of the equation, and you wouldn't say that about any other relationship that you're in. You wouldn't say, "Okay, he's spending time with that guy, so he's not able to give me enough time to really get to know him." It depends what your love, your idea of intimacy is, because. Like for sex, I think that I've never enjoyed sex unless I really like that person. But so why does it have to be exclusive? Why is being exclusive the only way that because you can be it's, liking? it's hard to find people that you <laughs> genuinely like. But still, that doesn't talk to exclusivity. Well, I feel like if you've met somebody that's really cool and you like them, mm-hmm. you respect them, right. why do you have to go around looking for something else? You probably won't understand this, but it's like good towels. Go on. So Martha Stewart has these like really fluffy towels that I like. <laughs> They're the perfect ones. They dry well. They wash well. They don't pill. They're just perfect. And they come in this nice assortment of colors. So whenever I want to change it up, I can like, you know, do that. So do you think I'm going to go and look at Ralph Lauren towels? Or do I, am I going to go look at Nautica towels, which are very hard, by the way? Or am I going to go like, and have like hotel collection that doesn't dry really well in humidity? So there are all these kind of facets. I know I sound really par- like weird and obsessive about towels, but towels I take very seriously. Not so many other things in life, but towels. Like I just like the fluffiness of coming out of a shower and just like, you know, that moment is one of my favorite moments in the day. So I take towels very seriously. But once I found Martha Stewart's towels, I felt like I never had to go look for another towel again. Well, what if somebody else used one of your Martha Stewart towels? Would that ruin the towel for you? It's not the same thing. Like, no one's going to, like, jizz all over my Martha Stewart's <laughs> What are you talking about jizz? I meant use it to dry themselves off. 
It's not the same thing. Why? Because I'm just, because what I'm ta- like focused in on is the choice of like being like, I only want Martha Stewart tiles in my home. You be, Using this analogy, you could say, I only want this guy, I only want to sleep with this guy, right? Right. But if this guy sleeps with somebody else, does that ruin your relationship? Yes, in the it same, does. In the same way as if somebody else uses one of your Martha Stewart towels, does it's that ruin It's not the same your, thing. It's exactly the same thing. What are you talking about? Okay, I'm talking about like if I had Martha Stewart towels in one drawer and like, what are my other favorite towels? Well, it doesn't matter. If, if or, <laughs> I get it. You're saying you only want Martha Stewart towels, so when you're with somebody, you only want to be with that one person. Yeah. I, I can understand that. That's perfectly fine. But what I'm saying is if somebody else uses one of your Martha Stewart towels, does okay, it it's ruin not even that towel towels. for you? The reason that I don't like that is because all of my relationships before, they were with other people and that hurt my feelings. I don't like that to feel that way. But was it because they were disingenuous? Was it because they were deceitful? Or was it because they Because they just... always chose that other person. And didn't choose you. Yeah. So ultimately it was it was it was a sense of rejection. It wasn't the yeah. fact. Right. So it's not even about that. And I feel like, you know, once because a lot of people have like open marriages or open relationships. Mm. But that comes later down the line, like when you're kind of a little bit bored of each other. Because you cannot be expected to be like just so excited about that one person forever i understand that but in the beginning why have to like go and be with all these people like it's just very time consuming no you don't have to at all it's not something that you have to do it's just if that's the way you naturally feel in this situation then i think it's it's disingenuous to not do it i think it just comes down to preference because some people are fine about like okay we can be you know with other people i mean like, I recently was with somebody that just couldn't be with one person, mm-hmm. right? And I was kind of willing, I thought, okay, I'm going to be willing to be okay about that because I really like this person. But at a certain point, I thought, no, I don't want to stand for that because I don't want to be the person that gets, is just here for now. Because that right. is my kind of take on it. Yeah, I mean, that's ultimately... So what it really comes down to is that fear of rejection. That fear that they'll like not someone being, else more than you. Well, it's not just that. That's always happened to me. So it's always been somebody... Like, I was good for like a certain season. Mm-hmm. And then once they found something better, they moved on. Right. But just to play devil's advocate here, you could have had a long, a lot of long-term monogamous relationships and if every time they split up with you and found someone else you'd feel the sense of the same way but i think that's a risk that i'm okay taking really yeah because to me and maybe i'm wrong here i could be crazy but to me a monogamous relationship because by its very nature means that unless you're going to spend the rest of your life with this person they're going to eventually want to be with somebody else then a monogamous relationship is more likely to have somebody choosing someone else over you than a polyamorous relationship where they can be with somebody else but don't have to lose the relationship with you to do it. Okay, well, I guess if I were to... I don't know how I feel about that yet, but if I were to kind of think about that in that context, I think what I'm trying to say is like I like to start off monogamous and if it gets to a point where, you know, we're a little bit bored with each other, then be honest about it. Because I think when I look back at 
uh, past relationships, if they had been honest with me and said, you know, I actually just want to see other people. Mm. Back then, I would have been really hurt by that. But now I feel like I could be like, okay, well, as long as it's like a mutual agreement where it's both ways. Like, yes. So if you want to go and do whatever, then I'm going to let you know that I'm going to do whatever. Sure. But then that comes after like some time. Because I think like it can have like a really nice partnership with somebody and it can be very like fulfilling in a lot of ways if it's in a good situation. But at a certain point, yeah, maybe that does come up and that's okay. Right. Yeah. But what about, and I've met people in the polyamorous community that they're like that from day one. And it's not because they're bored at all. It's just like, I don't want to eat chicken every day. I like chicken. Yeah, but that's not the kind of person that I want to be with. What do you mean the kind of person? That's not a preference. Like that doesn't, is not in alignment as far as interest. It's almost like. But that's one facet. So many other facets of of a personality to draw you into someone, your worldviews, your interests, the things you find funny. You know, are you kind? What are you interested in? All these different things. And just exclusivity is just one portion of that. Maybe it's an only child thing. Mm. I don't like to share. But in any other aspect of your life, outside of sexuality, you would look at that as a bad thing. I don't like to share my things. I don't like to share my friends. I don't like to share this. We'd all go, yeah, that's kind of childish. You know, you should share. This is It's nice to be a human being, to share things with other human beings. But in terms of sexuality, sexual partners... But why then, is that so different? Okay, I think this is why. So maybe if I do some like hypnotherapy or something, I can get over this. <laughs> I think the longest relationship I had, one day he told me that, and he told me he was monogamous, uh. or we were monogamous, and I was for sure. Right. Because, you know, when you agree on something, I kind of like to fulfill that. Yes. That's just how I am. And, you know, he didn't feel that way, obviously, and... He told me, oh, yeah, I'm waiting for my results because I had to go to the, the STD clinic. I was like, oh, okay. Um, is that because you're with other people? And he's like, didn't say anything. So he just didn't address it at all. And I freaked out because I was like, wow, that's going to change my life if yeah. he has something, right? Because sure. I was under the impression that we were just together. Mm. And unless like some like STD fairy like just fucked him in his sleep you know like how did he get this like situation where he needs to be tested yeah he, so, he lied yeah it was dishonesty but right. but that's not polyamory well i mean i have to say like i don't really know much about it but i think it's just too complicated because i just like ah. i feel like the intimacy for me as a person individually like i don't get that same satisfaction like sexually with too many people yeah. It, it's too much for me. Well. I think it's just intense. Well, I mean, in all fairness, it's just, you know, perhaps you just haven't met the right polyamorous The right, people. like, 12 people yeah. at one time. Well, any of those people, you know. I guarantee there are people in the world that you could have a deep, meaningful, loving, intimate, non-exclusive sexual relationship. Guarantee you. I know them, you know. I meet them at all these meetups, you know. I mean, having said that, I'm not in any sort of relationship with any of these people that I've met, but I have had non-exclusive, deep, meaningful sexual relationships. Um, I mean, I've had them too. My favorite relationship was with this one guy. He was like 20 and I was 24. hmm. And I knew I would ruin his life. So 
I did not expect any kind of exclusive thing from him. But for me, I don't like to just be with other people. So I saw him every weekend and during the week, just do whatever you want. Hmm. And that was like the best situation. But there you go. But that was when I was 24 and I wasn't a serious person. What? What does that got to do with anything? Because I couldn't, like, I didn't want anybody, like, he actually, he asked me, like, maybe about two years ago, we reconnect. we've been friends for a long time, but he asked me if I ever loved him, mm. and I told him no, but I did, but I never wanted to admit that. Why? Because it's too scary. Isn't that crazy? No, it's not. It's very crazy. Why, when you have sex with someone, are you afraid to tell them you love them? And when you don't have sex people. with them... You can tell, I tell people I love them all the time. I love you. Yeah, but it's just different because there's not a lot of like, there's no risk there. It's the difference that we place on it. I read a very interesting article on it recently about you. It's called, I love you and it's no big deal. And, you know, we we hold on to this notion of love as if it's this special thing that's like there's a very limited amount of it and if I say I love you to someone then there's there's less love to give to somebody else and if I say I love you to someone and they don't love me back then I'm going to feel terrible whereas just if you take it to be this empowering overflowing self-perpetuating energy and you just say I love you to people you do actually love and you don't care you don't care if they don't give a shit about you because loving someone comes without any obligation or any expectation in return that is true love and and I, I guess it's easy for me to say but but I truly believe it well I think that yeah love is very it doesn't have to be like this one box thing, but like going back to being able to be ready to receive something, like, so, like I mean, that guy was just, he wouldn't have been able to receive that properly. Like he would have thought, oh, it's like because you need like a commitment or, oh, you need this or whatever. He'll freak out. But and you're then- <laughs> immediately judging, you're saying that you love someone on how they will react. Is a five-year-old able to receive love? Is, is an old man who's on death's door, is he able to receive love? Is a murderer who's on death row, who doesn't give a shit, are they able to receive love? Everybody is. is. Then you've got your answer. Yeah, but they are. But anyway, I don't even know. But I did tell him later on that I felt bad about what I said. That you didn't tell him you loved yeah. him? What did he say to that? He said that he felt the same way about me. That's why he asked me. And then he was kind of hurt that I told him no. And now he knows you did. Yeah, but now it's too late. Never too late. It is too late. And that just to know late. that somebody else felt the same way sometimes is enough. No, I'm kind of over it. <laughs> well, people change and uh, ultimately yeah. I think it's a good thing. No, I'm, I'm like, not even thinking about it. How can John Lennon be wrong? All you need is love, Diane. All you need is love. Ba-ba-da-da-da. <laughs> All right, sweetheart. Well, listen, it's been wonderful talking to you. Thank you again for being so gracious and kind and being such a wonderful friend and a kind human being. And And I love you. Whether you love me or not, I don't really care. I think you're wonderful. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you. Bye. Well, that was Diane. Such a sweetheart, eh? Let the cuddles and casual watching continue. Next week's interview is with my new roomie, Tim. Great guy, does a lot of yoga, good karma. Hoping some will rub off on me. Good wingman too, so high hopes for the year ahead. We talk about our basic worldviews, orgasmic meditation, climate change and pickup. More, no doubt, to follow. Could not the same thing be done stroking the end of a penis for 15 minutes? This is kind of what I was just touching on earlier. Um, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'll see you next week. Well, that is it. One week closer to Six Feet Under. Thanks for listening and being part of the journey. Drop me a line if you think you or someone you know would be a good match for me as a parenting partner here in Los Angeles. Before you go, though, you know the deal. Please rate, write a review, and subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. Show some love. I'll be back next week, but if you want more before, then you can read my weekly blog at nigelressing.com forward slash blog, where you can also buy merchandise, book me, or just send me a nice message. Until then, wherever you are, and whoever you're with, hope you find kindness and love. Be happy. Yeah.